Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Today we are resuming our study in the Gospel according to Matthew. We're ready for chapter 26 today. Chapter 26 is a long chapter, 75 verses. Uh, 74 or 75 verses, something along those lines. Yes, 75. It deals with the institution of the Lord's Supper, the betrayal of Judas, uh, the arrest of Jesus in the garden, the denial of Jesus by Peter. All of that happens in this chapter. It's chock full. And uh, it's also a, a chapter that's fulfills a lot of biblical prophecy. Like there's a lot of, uh, and in fact, we will take the time just to point out a few of them, a couple of them, but there's multiples here where Jesus is doing things that are being fulfilled. Uh, a lot of it's found in the book of Zechariah that foretells what Messiah would do. Uh, so we'll be reflecting on that just a little bit. And then I wrote a devotional uh, it's in my book, The End of Days, a 30-day devotional. Uh, the very first chapter, which I would have written back in 2019, deals with this situation in the garden, uh, entitled, Could You Not Watch With Me One Hour? It's very, very short. It'll only take me a minute, but I'm going to share that with you on today's broadcast as well. So that is what is on the agenda for this morning. Uh, just a reminder, this broadcast is 100% listener-supported. And so your prayers and those of you who support uh, the broadcast and make this happen every week, I am uh, just eternally grateful uh, for your generosity and your kindness. And you can do that by going to scriptureandprophecy.com and there's a support tab at the top. Let's dive in. Open up your hearts and let's see what the word of God would have to say to you this morning. Gospel according to Matthew chapter 26, King James Bible. Let's begin. And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto a place of the high priest who was called, unto the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. So please note, if you remember, Leading up to this point, Jesus is telling all those parables about the kingdom, and it's really setting off the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they know that when he's referring to the judgment and all of those things that are coming, they know that he's talking about them. They're getting angry. They're looking for ways to kill him. They want to kill him, but it's the feast of Passover, so a lot of people have sojourned to Jerusalem, and it's, they don't want to start a big up war. Uh, so they're trying to figure out how they might do this secretly. Now, Jesus is telling his disciples, not for the first time, that he's going to be betrayed and killed. But they just don't, they can't fathom that possibility. So it's not registering. Let's continue on. Verse 6. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman 
having an alabaster box, very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. And when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for memorial for her. So please note, a woman comes in. She pours this very expensive ointment, perfume, if you will, all over Jesus. They don't get it that she... They don't get it that what's... He's literally said, I'm going to be betrayed and crucified. She's doing this almost like a ritual that prepares a person for burial. She probably has no idea why she's doing it. She's just being led by the Spirit to do so. They're still not getting it, even though he says she's done this for my burial. Now, it says that the disciples were getting upset. Uh, you know, this is a waste. This could have been sold and given to the poor. Here's what's really going on here. Matthew doesn't tell us uh, the 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 real problem here, but John does. So John says this about this situation. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was this ointment, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the bag, and he bare what was put therein. You see, Judas was taking a little something for himself out of that donation, out of the donations the disciples would receive uh, to survive and to travel and to do the things they were doing ministry-wise. Judas thought he was deserving of some of that money. And so when he sees this expensive perfume, he's not thinking about the poor, according to John. He's thinking about his own pockets. Let this be a warning, by the way, to those who work in ministry and work in church and you're taking money out of the thing, right, to pad your own pockets, you may think you're getting away with it for now. But you will not always get away with it. The time is coming. Repent, turn away from that behavior. I mention that because I know of people. I've heard of people. people, And, I, and I'm shocked to find out that, you know, with some ministry program where they have been put in charge by the church to handle the money situation and they pocket some of the money like that. I'm shocked at, at that reality, but it happens. Well, Judas was no different. Verse 14. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest, and he said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they coveted it with him for thirty pieces 
of silver. And from that time, he sought the opportunity to betray him. 30 pieces of silver. Prophet Zechariah prophesies about this. He says, And I said unto them, this is Zechariah 11, chapter 11, verse 12. And I said unto them, If you think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they waited for my price, 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it into the potter, a goodly price that was praised at the, uh, was priced at of them. And I took the thirty pieces of silver and cast them into potters, to the potter in the house of the Lord. Then I cut asunder my other staff, even bands, that I might break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. It may not seem like a prophecy at the time. Verse 17. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand, I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now, when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? By the way, I just there's something also beautiful about this. Every disciple appears to be aware of their sinful nation, of, the, of their sinful inclination. And they understand that they're not perfect, and they're all worried. Is it going to be me? Am I going to be the one that messes this? Am I going to be the one that screws up, right? And makes a mistake. Lord, is it I? Am I the one who's going to... I love this self-awareness by the disciples. Verse 23. And he answered and he said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The son of the man going as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It had been better. It had been good for the man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, it, I also think it's interesting. He basically says, Yeah, it's Judas, but this disciple still don't understand that it's Judas at this point. Verse 26, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the new covenant of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sin. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So here we have the institution of the of the bread and the wine. But Jesus says, 
I'm not going to be participating in this again until the, until the kingdom of heaven. But my blood is being poured out for the remission of sins. Verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. So again, He's saying, this is going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. It's prophetic. It's prophesied by the prophet. Zechariah, if you go to Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7, he says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. And I will turn my hand upon the little ones. But then we have Peter. He says, there's no way. I would never do this. I would never uh, betray And Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Now, of course, in hindsight, we look at this and we think, Oh, Peter, you just have no idea. But let's not forget, here in a minute, Peter's going to draw a sword, right? When they come for Jesus. So he was still brave and he had great courage and he stood up for the Lord. It's just he was doing it in a manner that was in opposition to God's ordained plan. So Jesus rebukes him. So in this moment, when Jesus is getting arrested, Peter's ready to fight to the death. But then something strange happens when Jesus is being interrogated, and all of a sudden, some fear comes over Peter. And he denies the Lord three times, as we're about to read. It's almost as if once Jesus was in that place where the religious leaders were all around, the spirit of darkness was heavier, even though it was in a religious establishment. But out in the garden, Peter was ready to defend. Or it could be that when Jesus was still free, not bound, Jesus had courage. But the minute that he saw the Son of God, in chains think about that with what that might do to you due to your morale and your spiritual strength because here's somebody you know that can do anything can heal leopards can feed five five thousand can walk on water can turn water into wine and all of a sudden he's defenseless against their religious leaders imagine the confusion in peter's heart let's have a look at the story And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise said all the disciples. Then cometh Jesus unto them to a place called Gethsemane. And he saith unto the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray yonder. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to sorrowfully to begin sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, 
but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep. And he saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Here in a moment, I will share a devotional with you about that. Verse 42. And he went away again the second time, and he prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them, and he went away again, and he prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and he saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while yet spake, lo, Judas, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus, and he said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they, and laid hands on Jesus, and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand, and drew his sword, and struck a servant of the high priest, and smote off his ear. Then Jesus said unto him, Put up again thy sword unto his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that this must be? So please note, did Jesus rebuke the disciples for having swords? Or did he rebuke Peter for possessing a sword to defend himself? No. What's the issue here? The issue here is that this is to happen. Jesus knows it is to happen. He's warned the disciples that this must be. He's going to be betrayed and he must die for the remission of sins. So the issue is not that Peter's standing up. The issue is that Peter's getting in the way of God or trying to get in the way of God's plan. Jesus is saying, stop it. Otherwise, how will the scriptures be fulfilled? This has to be. How then shall the scriptures be fulfilled, he says. Verse 55. In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are you come out against a thief with swords and staffs for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you laid no hold of me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. They had laid hold on Jesus and led him away. Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. So see, even Peter in this moment still has more courage than the other disciples, right? He's the one, if you read the other Gospels, who 
raised the sword and struck the ear. He's the the other ones run and f- flee away. Peter follows closely to see what happens. I I bring all this up because it's so easy to be like, oh, G- 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 or Peter denied the Lord three times. That he did. But let's give him some credit. Continuing on, but Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in, and with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and the elders and all the councils sought false witnesses against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses, and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God, and to build it in three days. And the high priest rose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses against thee? But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said. Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him. And the others smote him with their palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is that that smote thee? The religious leaders are literally spitting on, mocking, smacking the Son of God, the Messiah. Unfortunately, there's still a practice today in Israel where they spit at the name of Jesus. I long for the day when when their eyes will be open and they'll cry out for their Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's continue. Verse 69. Now Peter sit without in the palace And a damsel came unto him, saying, That was also with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. When he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him, That were were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while they came unto him, and they stood by, and said to Peter, Surely thou art so, or surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then he began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. And that is how chapter 26 ends. So much that could be examined there. But I want to end with a message that I think is 
prudent to our day. So let's go back to that story that took place in the garden where Jesus asked his disciples just, just to watch with him. And he comes back and he finds them sleeping and he says, you, could you not watch with me for one hour? There's something important there for us. Let me read you this short devotional that I wrote about this very thing. And I pray that it, that it speaks to you. And if you have the book, it's the very first chapter. Here's what it says. One of the most common themes I find in the Gospels, spoken out of the mouth of Jesus to his followers, is to be watching. Be careful you were not caught unaware. We even see this terminology being used with three of the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane before Jesus is captured and taken away to be crucified. In the Matthew account of this event, we find Jesus saying something very interesting to his disciples when he finds them sleeping. This is something I think many of us might miss if we do not pay close attention to his words. From the Gospel of Matthew 26, 40-41. And he cometh unto the disciples, and he findeth them asleep, and he saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. I wonder... In a world which seems to be rushing towards the end of days, in a world consumed with distractions, could we be the generation who is caught off guard? Is Jesus asking us today, could you not watch with me for one hour? Are the things of this world really so appealing that we are willing to risk missing his coming and being caught unaware? The digital age has taken our eyes away from what is important and cast our attention on nothingness. Most people cannot walk down the street or even worse, drive a car without staring into their smartphone. Everywhere we look is a screen begging for our attention. Meanwhile, the ones we love are starved for our attention. Likewise, we are too distracted to pay attention to our Creator what he might be trying to speak to us. We are in danger of missing the most important hour of our generation, maybe the most important time in human history. It could be. We are living in the last hours right now. We see the signs all around us. However, like the disciples, we are in danger of falling asleep and not understanding the severity of what is about to happen. I fear we might miss the significance of what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Jesus is warning them about the dangers of not watching, of taking their eyes off of him and the mission at hand. I should also note, it wasn't just the lack of watching which Jesus rebukes his three followers about. He also commands them to be in prayer. He explains there is a real danger which follows if you do not both keep watch and pray. Let's look at Matthew twenty six forty one again. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. The warning is simple. When you take your eyes off of him, when you fail to be in prayer, when you let your guard down, you risk falling into temptation. 
This could be the most important message to this generation. A generation surrounded by temptation and distractions. Never has there been such a great battle for our attention. Let us never take our eyes off Jesus. His coming is at hand. We must remain in prayer. We must heed his command to watch. Lest we fall to the desires of this world. Lest we fall asleep, caught unaware and unprepared for his return. The spirit may be willing. But our flesh is most definitely weak. That, my friends, is the end of our study for this morning. I pray in the powerful and holy name of Jesus that you've been blessed, that you've been strengthened, that your hearts have been pierced. Thank you for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.